guys i was just about to record the new podcast i'm not sure if you can hear the noise in the background that is um we are unsure of what it is currently i think it's a call to prayer i remember this being in marrakesh i heard the same type of thing i think it's the muslim call to prayer but i'm uncertain of that on top of that i just started recording and i heard the gecko noise and the gecko has suddenly gone quiet and i don't know where in the room it is i just know it's here somewhere So I'm just going to hide in the corner of the room with my back to the wall and pray to the gods above that no gecko falls on my head. The rooms that I'm staying in right now, I'm staying in Nusa Penida, which is the island. It's kind of like an island off, um, off Bali. Like and there's like the place I'm staying in is absolutely beautiful. It's incredible. So there's like an infinity pool, and you stay in your own like kind of land little cabin. You have like an outside bathroom and everything. It's really really lovely. It's so cheap as well. It's like. 19 pounds a night so like 10 pounds each the only downside of it is obviously because i am like it's quite a high up villa um i call it a villa i don't know if it like maybe like more of an elaborate hostel i don't know you each have like your own little bungalow type thing and then you get breakfast in the morning that type of thing maybe airbnb bnb i don't know the correct way to describe it but the only downside of it being like obviously where we are very high up surrounded by nature outdoor bathroom the room like two doors down the people in that room were like yeah they had a rat in their room they've had massive spiders there's geckos there's everything and for someone slightly scared of animals (laughs) this is terrifying every time touch wood i've not found a spider yet although yesterday i was lying on a sun lounger and louis looked at me and he was like there's a massive green spider and it was on my sunglasses and it was bright green which was terrifying but we're just going to ignore it i've just got to accept if i want to stay in these amazing places surrounded by nature there's going to be fucking nature i need to grow some balls but still if you hear the gecko noise it's like "Eh, eh, eh, eh." i thought it was a bird and i argued that it was a bird for a very long time it is not a bird. It is, in fact, a gecko. Although the geckos look different than I expected. They're, like, black and something. They're, not, they're like... I realised I was just doing hand gestures. You can't see my hands. Maybe, like, 20 centimetres long, 30 centimetres long. They're pretty big, but they walk really funny, which kind of made me less scared of them. They had one in our room the other day, and it was just hiding behind the curtains. So now I'm nervous wherever I am in this room that there's another gecko hiding. Like, if one lands on my face, I will actually cry. I will actually cry. But anyway, I should probably get on with this week's life update. This week has been so much more chilled than last week. I think you all heard from last week that we had done so much in such a short space of time that this week hit and we were like, we need to calm the fuck down. Like, this is too much going on we need to chill out because i don't want to go back to london and be really stressed or anything like that so we started off the week and we went into Seminyak and we got in a really nice hotel we just chilled out to be honest spent the days at the beach we got like corn on the cob and the street food here is so good so i've eaten so much corn on the cob they have a like there is a lot of corn on the cob themed things though there's a sweet corn themed ice cream that i'm yet to try maybe today is the day you know i'm so curious like is it is it a frozen corn on the cob is it corn on the cob flavored ice cream what's the deal with it i've squeezed it and it feels like corn on the cob so i'm uncertain what that's going to bring but i'm going to try it and i'm going to report back next week but yeah so kind of on monday and tuesday we were there in seminyak and on monday night oh, i got drunk for the first time since i've been here and i have never been so hungover in my entire life in my entire life it was horrific. So, I haven't really been drinking for the past... Since we've got here, God, that's like literally two weeks. But I haven't really been drinking that much. 
And we went to Potato Head, which is this kind of famous club in Bali. We went there for kind of like my Bali birthday because, of course, I made us have a Bali birthday here. Like, you know, like, it seemed unfair that Louis got to have two birthdays. I felt like, no, he got to have a birthday here. So I felt like I should have a birthday here. And so, oh, the music stopped now. That's good. And so we went there and we'd had some beers. I'd necked two of the Smirnoff thingies because I can't afford to pay for cocktails the entire night, even though the cocktails were only £10, which for how strong they were, you all saw the photo. It was fucking, it was huge. It was the size of my head. But we went for the zombie, which has absinthe in it. And for someone who doesn't drink, that was a very strong cocktail to start off with. I also ordered very badly because I was drunk when I ordered. That was that was silly. I ordered like this vegan jerk jackfruit bowl thing. It was delicious. It was really nice. But my boyfriend ordered pizza. And is drunk you going to want a jackfruit bowl or a pizza? A pizza. They're going to want a pizza. And so that set the night off onto a great start. But it was lovely. And we watched sunset and we got drunk. But then when I got home, normally the hangover's hit in the morning. Oh, my God, I'm so scared. Things just keep landing on me. Oh, we've just got to keep recording. This is like a Bush Tucker trial, I swear to God. I'm so dramatic. It's not that bad. But when we got home, I just started to feel so nauseous, so sick. I genuinely thought I was going to throw up and nothing would help. So I ended up just having to fall asleep, sleep through it. And I woke up the next day and the hangover was gone. But I think that hangover had been worse because I was dehydrated. Like I hadn't really drank much water in the day. And so that was annoying. But then we went to the second day we went to Changu, which was really, really nice. I'd say Changu has more, Seminyak had really good shopping and kind of like more beach bars, that type of thing. Changu apparently also has that. They have Old Man's and Finn's, which are two really famous places, um, but we didn't go to those ones. We just ran out of time. I think that's what I'm realising with like, you can't do everything. You can't do everything all at once. And also, I don't want to do everything rushed. I want to do majority of things slowly. So I'm okay with that. So we went to Changu and we had the most amazing food. Like we went to, I cannot say Warang. I cannot say it. I can't say it. Everyone else can say it so well. Like, it's... Oh, some... Oh, no. Something definitely just landed on the roof. The roof has kind of like an open bit. And I'm really scared something's going to drop through whilst I'm recording. But we're just going to carry on. We're just going to carry on. Everyone else can say it. It's like W-A-R-U-N-G. And I am just inept at saying Warang. I think I say the Warang. I think I say Warang weirdly. But anyway, that's not interesting. We had the most incredible food there. And it was kind of like a, more of like a buffet. You got to pick some different parts. And I had the best sticky tofu I've had in my entire life. So we went there and then we went to a clothes shop. And I brought a really nice skirt. And it was lovely. And I had a nice little switch up there. Got some new clothes. Then we kind of just spent most of the rest of the time at the beach. Like I've been reading my new book that I'm going to talk about in the new things we've done this week because it's really good and I want you all to read it, but kind of just chilled out. And then, and then, oh, we also played in the sea because the sea is really different here than the UK. The waves are so much more powerful. They're actually really dangerous. Would not recommend going in unless you're like, okay, it's swimming. And also don't go swimming in the sea. It's just for playing in the waves, but that was really fun. They're a bit more powerful than I thought they were going to be, and I was very nervous about losing my bikini, but it actually ended up... Oh, my God, I just moved in the sunburn. Oh, the sunburn. The sunburn just stuck to the floor, and it fucking... That re- that that hurt. That really hurt. Sorry for swearing. That kind of took me by surprise. I cannot lie, but... We then moved on to do the day trip to the waterfalls. Now, this was a day like no other. This was a day that was so packed full of stuff that, honestly, by the end of it, me and Louie couldn't even talk to each other. We were so tired. So we decided to go from 
north eat never eat shredded wheat we decided to go from west to east because on the west side of bali is like the beaches and things like that there's obviously on the west but that's where like changu and semenyaka and we needed to get to sanu which is on the never eat east side of the island and so we needed to travel that distance and rather than going like straight there we decided to go like up into the mountains do the like waterfall and then come back down kind of like do a triangle situation and so we rented a driver for the day which sounds mad if you're from the uk the thought of renting a taxi driver for the day would give you a near heart attack it would make you feel sick to your stomach because you know that a 20 minute journey costs at least 25 pounds not here everyone you can rent a driver who is like so our driver he was balinese he'd lived here all of his life he knew so much about the areas he was driving us into he knew so much about its history literally cost us four hundred thousand pounds no not pounds <laughs> 400,000k no I can't speak 400k it literally costs us 400k which is about 30 quid so 15 pounds each if that and we gave him a bit of a tip as well because he was so helpful and it was brilliant so we started off the day and we were like we just think we're going to the waterfalls and he starts off and he's like oh have you been to the boutique place yet I said that weirdly it's like boutique place and it's where they make the traditional like different fabrics they make traditional different types of sewing and everything and we were like oh no we've never been there it's like oh well, you have to go, you really need to go, and so we went there, and I brought, like, a pillowcase, it was really interesting to watch the process of how they make the different fabrics, it was lovely, and then I think, right, we're going to the waterfall next, and he's like, have you guys been to the silversmiths yet, and I didn't realise this, but each area of Bali is, like, famous for a different region, so you have the batik region, which makes the clothing, and then you had a, I can't remember the name of it, but you have a kind of area that's really famous for its silver, and you know in England, uh, I'm saying UK, because this is all I can base it off, but we have loads of these little shops, we have one in Scarborough called Creative Crafts, we have loads of these little shops, and they kind of, um, they sell, like, cute kind of like artistic jewelry I don't know how to describe it but it's imported from different countries and this factory is where they made some of that jewelry so apparently they used to sell like these little phone charms that you'd stick onto your old phones and they had like a good luck charm on them and they were the Japanese came over and bought them and then they'd bring them back over to Japan and that's kind of how this factory got famous and now they're a massive silver factory but we just went into kind of like the store area and you walk in and you see them all making the jewelry by hand like you see them all welding it and creating it which was really incredible and then we went in and like I brought this jade bracelet which I stupidly yesterday went into the pool with it on and the chlorine's bleached it but I actually kind of like it more because now it's less vibrant, so it's easier to wear and it does still look really pretty. So I'm okay with that. And I also brought this like little silver bracelet, which has the like the so in Bali, the frangipan flowers are everywhere. And in this meditation thingy that we did, oh my god, I didn't speak about that. <gasps> Can you hear that noise? Oh no, that is a bird. It's gonna wake up the gecko though. If you hear really weird random noises, it's not just me. It's just I'm surrounded by nature right now, which is lovely, but causes to make an interesting podcast. I forgot to mention in Seminyak, we did this like early morning sunrise yoga thing, which was incredible. It was so pretty. That was also at Potato Head. And if you're going to Bali, look on Potato Head's website because a lot of their wellness stuff, like this yoga in the morning, it was sunrise yoga. We walk up, the mats are laid out, the sea... Oh, shit, I just knocked it. I'm sorry, I got excited. The mats are laid out, the sun is rising, 
you got the sea right in front of you, you're sitting, and it was just beautiful, and this lady kind of did like stretches with us, and it was like a kind of energy flow type thing, and it was so good, and it was by donation only, so it's whatever you could afford to donate, um, then went to like a local charity for the cats and dogs, so it was really, that was a great thing to do, so if you are going to Bali, you would 10 out of 10 recommend doing that. So back to what I was saying about the silver show, sorry for that little interruption, but the silver shop, let's <laughs> just keep getting louder and louder this is a nightmare oh well I feel like it adds to the ambience of the podcast it's as if you're here with me so then we bought some bits and bobs and at that point I'd like spent so much money because I was like well, I'm not going to go to these places again it's now or never really and so then I was like right now we're going to the now we're going to the waterfalls and then he was like oh have you guys been to a temple yet and I was like no I haven't been to a temple yet I'd have loved to go on but a lot of the temples here are closed you can't go into them which I think I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the other podcast I think that's actually really good I think like they're a very sacred place and like do you know what I mean they shouldn't really just be for tourists to go view them they should be because also a lot of tourists disrespect it they don't follow the rules they don't wear the correct clothing I've seen so many people being disrespectful when in the temple so I fully understand and think it's how it should be about us not going into the temples but this temple you were able to walk into um you just had to pay a donation and they put like a sarong around you to make sure you were wearing the appropriate dress and so we went and looked around this buddhist temple which was amazing and incredible and really just a really good experience it was so beautiful the, the because they have so many different types of gods each type of god has its almost own I don't want to say the wrong thing I don't think it's like has its own type temple type thing so it's like a a bed where the god is sat on and they're all like painted in like elaborate clothing and elaborate gold and everything which is incredible and then we were walking around and they had a pond where you could feed koi fish so then we fed the koi fish which was so cool the koi fish were so like intense with how much they wanted food like you throw a bit and they would all come and they were like jumping over each other and everything so that was really cool I hadn't seen any koi fish before and I definitely want some when I'm older although starting to think like fish are a bit of an overrated pet my sister got some and I ended up having to look after it when mum and dad went and it was a lot it was a lot of effort so then after the temple we were like okay should we go to the waterfalls now and then we went to the waterfalls which was one of those days which was one of the best days I've had. I just felt so happy. You know when you have one of those days where you wish you could bottle up the emotion of how good everything is because you just feel so happy? That was how that day felt, and I wish I could share it all with you, but it just felt really special because we were at the like we were at the waterfalls and I was journaling, obviously, and I could hear the waterfall next to me and like the sun was like so it wasn't like it wasn't setting, but it was like a nice temperature and it was good and everything was around us and like Everyone just seemed so happy when we were playing in the waterfall. The waterfall was a lot more powerful than I expected. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was thinking it would be, like, easy to swim in. Obviously not. The photos, the outshots of that photos that I posted are hilarious. I look like... I wish I could share just photos for the podcast listeners, like, give you a little, like, snippet of what's really gone on because, honestly, it looked so funny. I look like I'm drowning. I look like I'm drowning, struggling. It's... It's not the one. But then we finished at the waterfalls and then we were like, okay, let's go home now because we were so tired. It had been such a great day, but a lot of stuff going on. Then it was like, oh, do you want to go to the elephant temple? And we were like, we should go because we're not going to be here again. And the elephant temple was found in, right, these facts could be wrong. I'm literally remembering them off the top of my head. But I want to say 1928, there was an earthquake in Bali. And Bali at that point was occupied by Holland. So Holland had colonised Bali and they were occupying it, and so their archaeologists, 
don't like when the earthquake happened it like showed these things that were there these like bare, like ruins so they dug them all up and they found this ninth century hindu i think it's a hindu temple and a buddhist temple as well was next to it which was even older these facts might be wrong but that's they were some very very old ancient temples and one of them you can see in the photo that i posted on instagram it's like the second one i think so that one was like the pure waters. So there was like seven women stood in like this kind of pool area and I had water coming out of them. And each of these women represented one of the seven one of the seven rivers in India because they're all very sacred. And I found that really interesting. So that was great. We got to walk around there and had a look at everything. I did get savaged by mosquitoes. I have never had so many mosquito bites in my body, in my life. I am so allergic to mosquito bites. They're so itchy and horrible, but I'm so glad I've got nails on. Because they're blunt at the ends, they can't do a good scratch, which means I've been better at not itching them this time, which meant they haven't scarred, which is successful. So then after that massive day, we arrived back in Sanu, which was a shame that we... It wasn't a shame, but it's a shame that we only arrived, like, we only got one night there. And we literally arrived at 7 and we went to bed at 9.30. We were that tired because it had been just such a big day. And we knew the next day was when we were coming to Nusa Penida, which is where I am now. Now, Nusa Penida is... Honestly, it was like a pinch me island. It's like Barbados, like a tropical island. It's incredible. It's so beautiful. The water is so blue. It's like nothing I've really ever experienced before. And when we got here, we were riding on the scooter. Obviously, I was not riding it. Louis was doing the driving and I was sat in the passenger seat because there's no way I can ride a scooter. We were riding it and I just felt so happy and just content with life. Like, we were riding along and there's all the boats on the water and the ocean's so blue and the sun's out and... We're just going to some really nice beach bar for lunch. And I was like, this is so good. This is so good. I just felt so happy. But on that first day, because the boat was so early, it was like at seven. And so we got here at quite early at 10. And my mum has this thing of like bad things happen in threes. And I swear to God, she's right. She is so right. Because so many bad things to me happened that day. And it was limited at three. And I knew when the third one happened, I was like, this is it. This is fine. It's good. So the first thing was, we went to this beach bar called the Virgin Beach Bar, which we actually went back to today. The food is delicious, would definitely recommend. Only, I, you know when you're so hungry that you do something really stupid? So my stupid thing was that I ordered a Greek salad. Who the fuck orders a Greek salad when they're hungry? And in my head, I had an idea of what this Greek salad was going to be. It'd be a Greek salad I would make myself. Like, so much cheese, so, like, maybe a bit of halloumi. It would be humongous, seeds and everything in it, so filling. And it arrived, and it was literally, because obviously a lot of these things have to be imported. It was, like, two pieces of lettuce, a bit of chopped pepper, and some crumbled feta on top. And I was like, oh, no. No, I'm withering away. It was I was so hungry and it did did not suffice in the slightest at all. And so after that, I was like, okay, it's fine. That was kind of like that wasn't a bad thing. That would be dramatic to say. But then we went to another orang, and oh my god, I said it okay. Then maybe maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I do say it okay. So then we went to another one and it was lovely. We went to no, no, I'm wrong there. It wasn't lovely. We went to another orang. And we were really hungry. And so I just got, um like, the kind of typical nasi garang, which is, like, fried rice with egg. And it arrived. Like, the egg wasn't cooked. The tofu, because Louis ordered a fish one, I think the tofu in a lot of these places is cooked in the same oil as the fish, 
which meant I bit in, I bit into the tofu and imagine just being like just fishy oil oozing out. And for someone who doesn't like fish, honestly, I thought I was going to throw up. It was horrible. It was the fishiest mouthful I've ever had in my entire life. Would not recommend. Bad experience. And now I'm very, very nervous to get tofu ever again, ever. And then we just came and checked in at our hotel. Now, luckily, as I've said, the place we're staying at is incredible. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. There's like an infinity pool and the people are lovely. They're so helpful. Like, the room, everything about it is great. So that was, like, a nice little, like, change. That was good. And then the next bad thing that happened was my bracelet snapped that I got from the silver shop. Now, don't worry, I've fixed it. I've managed to do some good concoction where I've connected my two bracelets to make one super long bracelet. And now they fit really nicely. So that maybe was a blessing in disguise. Oh, but the third bad thing. I did my first stupid thing. And then the third bad thing that happened was the sunburn. The sunburn, like... And then the third bad thing that happened. Now, this was a mistake. This this was just an accident. And I'm so lucky that this worked out okay. And I realise I'm so lucky. So please don't, like, everyone be like, come on, like, oh, you should have been more careful. Blah, blah, blah. I know. It was an accident. Accidents happen and it worked out okay. And I've learnt my lesson and everything is fine. No need to stress. But... Like, we were, we'd just gone to the shop, and we'd got some noodles, we were coming home, um, and I don't know how, but my purse must have not been shut properly, and as we were driving along on the scooter, we, like, went over a few bumps, and my purse fell out, and I didn't even realise, and we're driving along, and this, like, scooter people start beeping us, and here there's quite a lot of people, and I was like, they're probably beeping someone else, so we carried on driving, and then they carried on beeping us again. So then we pulled over for a second time. They ran up to us and they're like, look what you dropped. And in their hand was my purse. And I didn't even realise. I didn't even realise. And they were like, check, you've got everything in it. Check, you've got all your cards. Like, I was so lucky. And when they gave it to me, I was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I was so grateful. I, I couldn't give, I didn't have anything on me to give them either, which was really, really annoying. But I was just so grateful and happy. And then I was like, okay. Third bad thing's over now. Third bad thing's over. We can now, you know, go back to everything else. Like, life is back to normal. But how lucky is that? Like, how many people drop their purse on the side of the road and get it back without anything going missing or anything going wrong? Like, how many people get that? Literally no one. That should not have happened. And if I'd have gone to the police with it, what would they have said? Like, it's your own fault. It is literally my own fault. It was an accident. There would have been nothing they could have done. And it had, like, my ID in it. I had my money in it. I had my card in it. Luckily, I didn't have that any cash out. I just had my card, so I could have blocked it, which was good. But, oh, I was just so grateful that it happened and everything was okay. And then yesterday, we decided to spend the morning at the, like, ho- like I don't know what to call it, B&B, a hotel, wherever. We decided to spend the morning here because we wanted to just chill out at the pool, relax. It was lovely. Oh, I don't know what that knocking was. That was really scary. Something properly just knocked on the door. Oh, no, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm just going to keep recording and then get off here as fast as possible. But um, next day, well, I'm really scared now. I can literally hear something being opened outside. I'm just going to sit here in my room with my back to the door and pray for the best. But the next thing was 
we decided to go to Attu Beach. So Attu Beach is like that famous cove in Bali. Like it's very famous. Everyone gets the photos there. I'm going to post a photo there tomorrow, today. So when you listen to this, you'll see the photo. Go check it out on Instagram. But it was so pretty when we got there. We decided to get there later on. It was The drive over was a nightmare. It was so hilly. We literally had to climb a mountain to get there. But it was well worth it in the end. It was so pretty. The only issue was when we got there, you know when you just get a weird unsafe feeling? Like just that gut feeling like you're being watched. That, like, something, like, not everything's right. And that's how that felt. We're just surrounded by guys. Like, as soon as we pulled in, like, five guys came surround us. They were kind of, like, hustling. It's like, oh, you need to pay for this, 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 this. We're like, we don't want to pay for a ticket. We're only going down to the beach. Like, we don't need anything. They're like, okay, we need to buy a drink from us then. And we were like, we need to keep you nice. Like, we need to keep you sweet because you've got the bike. And then one of them tried to get us to buy a ticket. to. So we would buy a ticket to go see this special beach, like, on the other side. And they would drive our bike over to the side and we'd have to give them our key. And I was like, I'm not giving you the key. That sounds really silly. So we didn't do that. But, you know, it just felt a little bit overwhelming. There was just a lot of people, a lot of stuff going on, you know. And it was just kind of overwhelming. So I didn't enjoy didn't enjoy that part of Atu Beach. But Atu Beach itself was so beautiful and so pretty. And it was so blue and I found such a pretty shell. Don't worry, I only took one. I know you're not meant to take shells. I only took one because I'm never going to go back. Um... And it was just a very nice day. It was lovely. And I'm probably going to return the shell tomorrow anyway because I feel guilty about it. We're going back to the secret beach, which is on the other side of Atu Beach. And so that's going to be really, really nice. But yeah, it's all going successfully. I'm really having such a good time. I'm starting to get a little bit more nervous about London, I can't lie. had a bit of a cry last night, just want to keep it real. I had quite a big cry, to be honest. It just got so overwhelming about the thought of moving, about where I'm going and like what's coming and I was like it's so unknown and the thought of being long distance again and everything it just made me feel really like overwhelmed with sadness I can't lie like I'm having such a great time here but it's really hard when you know what you're going back to is like going to be so different different in a good way but still so different and that's been playing on my mind quite a lot but I'm trying really hard to stay present and just stay focusing on the now and like the now is enough and that's what I'm doing and it's tricky but it's important and I'm trying and that's the main thing but I hope you've enjoyed this little life update and I hope you enjoy the next part of the podcast, which is the breakup part two, where I give you all the juicy parts about going through a breakup because it's fucking ugly. But together, we're going to get through this. I hope you're having a lovely day and enjoy the next part. Make sure you're following me on Instagram and on TikTok at you've got mail underscore pod. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Love you. Bye. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Relationships Breakup series. Right now, I'll be in week two of Bali. That is mental. I feel like I'm time traveling because right now I'm literally only just woken up and I catch my train later on today and it's my sister's birthday and I'm trying to fit it all in and we have three episodes to record before everyone else wakes up, but that's okay. We will manage it. I know it, it's going to happen. I, I have strong beliefs in myself. What I do not believe in is cheating. But anyway, where we left off last week was we were talking about how to know if a relationship isn't quite what you're wanting how to know when a relationship isn't serving you when it's not when it's not making you feel great today we're going to talk more about breakups cheating getting through something like that because breakups breakups are wank and it's horrible and terrible but they are also the catalyst in which by you will grow into an like it is a catalyst for so much growth because it is so painful. I think when something hurts so much, it forces you to grow so much because it forces you to face things about yourself you didn't even realise. It forces you to look at life in not just a rose-tinted way, but look at the ugly sides of it as well. And 
I think that's what makes you grow because you start to get a better picture of the entire world around you. You start to realise that sadly the world isn't as great and as lovely and as sugar-coated and as amazing as it as you think. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean like you start to think the world's fucking shit. No, because the world isn't shit. You just start to get a better, more well-rounded visuals of what the world is and what love is. I think you start to get a better understanding of what real love is, how you want to feel love in the future. And that's why it's such an important mechanism for growth because it forces you into a situation where you have to reevaluate these major concepts in your life, which is ultimately a good thing. I know it's going to be fucking hard, but it is a good thing, I promise. So about... I haven't been through, well, I have been through quite a few breakups, but the only breakup that kind of, like, you know when you go through breakups and it's, like, sad for, like, two days and you go over it because you're, like, it wasn't a big deal relationship or anything like that. But my last breakup that I went with, I got cheated on. So, I'll take you through the story. We weren't the happiest of relationships. It, it wasn't going great. We probably, we were due a breakup. We were due a breakup, but... Rather than facing the facts and doing that, when the COVID pandemic hit, he didn't want to come home. This is literally my TikTok video that went viral. It's that one. So if you know that story, you know this story. So just let me repeat myself for those who haven't seen it. And if not, we'll move on. Um, but yeah, so we were together. It was fine. Like, we've been together four years. So even though we weren't the happiest, we obviously we're very close like our families were close um there was a lot there was a lot going into that relationship and I know I knew deep down we were probably never going to work out like long term like you know you know but still that didn't make it any more any better any fucking better um and so we decided to like we decided to no the covid pandemic happened so I remember when that first kicked off and I didn't think anything of it especially ironic considering like my background as well in microbiology I was like everyone is overreacting there is nothing going on here because it was such like an out of the blue like I was like what is a lockdown what is going on and so I came back and he wouldn't come back and I was like well this is a bit weird I don't know why you won't come back it's just a bit strange um but he didn't want to come back and so then I spent the next three days trying to convince him I sent him a letter no I didn't send him a letter yet three days trying to convince him to come back and eventually eventually he decided to come back which also was really mad like it was really annoying that he wouldn't want didn't want to come back because he literally had his own car he had so many reasons to come back I was here his entire family was here all of his friends were going home, apart from this one girl. Do you know what I mean? Like, there were so many reasons to come back. And then I... So I convinced him to come back, and we were just FaceTiming for the next two weeks. It was pretty normal. He seemed a bit off. I just thought he was sad. And this taught me a valuable lesson. I just thought he was sad, so I wrote him a letter about, like, oh, I miss you, hope everything's going okay. Like, just a really nice, like, little boost letter, and I drew a picture and, like, everything like that. And then... But then I got a little FaceTime and he was like, I need to tell you something. And then started talking and then hung up the fucking phone on me. He's like, I just can't face you right now. I just can't face you. So fucking dramatic. And then he called me up again and he started talking. Then he hung up the phone again. Then he hung, called me again and basically told me that he'd been cheating on me with that with the girl that I'd always had a bit of a sneaky suspicion about for the past... He said it like it was multiple times in the week when it was in COVID. Mm, I'm calling bullshit on that, but it is what it is. And yeah, so then, yeah, it started my massive growth transformation and descent into hell. It was horrific. So when I found out, I literally crumbled. 
And, you know, when you have such a sick realisation moment, I literally broke down. I was standing at my door and I went, Mum. And then she was, like, not coming. I was like, Mum. And then I just started sobbing. Started sobbing. Like, I was crying uncontrollably. And you know what I said about how when you hide things from people, that's how you know when it's bad. I hid the fact he cheated on me. I hid that from everyone in case I wanted to go back with him. But I'm now realising I just needed to get used to the concept of what had happened. I was so overwhelmed with everything that had happened that I knew I was never really going to go back with him. But that thought process of needing to hide when something bad happens to me to protect him reinforces how toxic the relationship is and really what makes me want to like highlight to you all that if that is something that you're doing, if you're lying to hide other people's actions to protect them at this like at the sake of like yourself, you're going to have to take the fall for it. It's not healthy and it's not really what you should be doing. It's really, it's really hard. And so, yeah, I cheated on after four years. I think cheating is one of the most horrible things. It's one of the most horrible things because one of the biggest issues I had after it is that I didn't trust anyone anymore. And one of the biggest issues I've had to unpack over the past four years is trust. I don't really trust people that easily or well anymore at all. Like, I have a really issue with like telling people really how I'm feeling, not just protecting it, not sugar glazing over it, not just being honest with my opinions. I'm not, I don't trust that it's always going to be okay anymore. I don't like change. I don't, I have on, like, it's been a lot to unpack about after four years if someone can cheat on me. I don't know, it, surely anyone could do that at any point. But I'm now realising that even though we were together that long, he wasn't a nice person. And so, kind of compensates in that sense but I just think cheating you're really you're when you cheat on someone you're not just like you're not just breaking their heart you're totally disregarding your respect for them you don't respect them anymore and I think that's a really that's really sad I think if you want to get with someone else at least do the night like it's not even a nice thing it's still a dick move but call them up and end the relationship beforehand just don't cheat on people it just it really it crumbles your your what you think a relationship is. It crumbles your ideal of a relationship and it makes it really, really hard to ever get to that point ever again. And being honest, although you get to a very good point, I'm not sure you ever get to the totally and utterly trusting, loving point again in the sense of there's always something in the back of my head of being like, I really don't want to get hurt again because that was really, really, really bad. And I think that's a really sad thing that I have to deal with. And it's so flippant for the person who cheats. It's so, I don't know, it's just, he tried to blame me for it for the first part, which absolutely, if you couldn't have had, if I couldn't have had any more red flags from this, absolutely awful. He tried to say it was my fault that I manifested it because I was suspicious. And I didn't like that because that threw my own logic against me. So I was like, did I? I mean, law of attraction, I was thinking you guys are having a thing, maybe I did it. And I was like, no, you're just picking up on the fucking signs. Don't go down that thought process, get a grip. I just think cheating's really sad and it's not a nice thing to do and it doesn't make you a good person and... <sighs> just don't do it, people. It's shit. It takes ages to get over. It's taken, like, I don't... The thing about it is, even though I don't miss a relationship, I don't miss anything about it, that chapter is totally fucking close for me. There's no emotion in there whatsoever when I think back to that moment, because it was so traumatic for me, I would get really, really sad. Like, I could, like, that pain is so visceral for me. It's so, it's so choking that 
I can't really like talk about it without getting really emotional, which is such a strange response when you think that you're not feeling emotional about anything, when you think you're not, when you think you're not sad about anything anymore. And I think for the first few days after it happened, I was not in a very good mindset at all. Well, for the first few months after it happened, I wasn't in a good mindset. I literally lay on my bed and cried. I laid on my bed, I put on the TV. I got to, like, I'm quite good at, like, sleeping and everything like that. I've never really... I've recently been able to stop sleeping with the light on. That was a weird part of my life that I didn't really share on here, but I got really scared of the dark, really scared of the dark, in, like, a quite a strange way. I think it's because I was stressed or a bit anxious about everything in my life at that point, and I was uncertain, and I was very unhappy in work and everything like that. I think it was because of that, but I would have this thing where I'd close my eyes, and these, like, horrible things would be lying in front of me. Like, I'd close my eyes and I'd be like, there's something in front of you. And I'd have to open them again to check that there wasn't there. And I'd be like, no, there's nothing there. So I'd have to close my eyes again. And then instantly I'd get the thoughts that there's something in the corner or there's something above me or there's someone, there's a face next to me. And there'd be really scary creatures looking at me. And it was really weird. And the only way that I could, like, start to sleep was that if I opened, if I turned the light on, I couldn't sleep unless... I don't know why as well. It was like this idea of the fear of the unknown. Maybe that was it. Maybe the fear of the unknown was manifesting into my sleep cycle. God, I've never put two and two together because at that point there was so much unknown. But anyway, this wasn't what we were talking about. I was like, I'd always been quite good at sleeping and now I could only fall asleep when I was watching Gilmore Girls. I literally binge watched Gilmore Girls from the start to the end. And if you know, there's like 10 seasons each with 20 episodes in. And now when I rewatch Gilmore Girls, it makes me a bit sad and emotional. I can't watch it with as much, like... Because I just think it brings me back to that time. I was just lying in bed cuddling Lulu, who's my teddy. Um, I just felt so sad. So sad. It was so, so sad. And I think if you're just about... We're going through the breakup stages. So the first one you find out and it's shit. And I'm sorry, you're going to have a breakdown. It's not nice. There's no... That moment, that sicky part in your tummy when that happens. There's that realisation of what's gone on. There is never anything that's quite like that. It's like the drop before the worst roller coaster in your entire life, but it's not. It's not a good drop. It's not an exciting drop. It's a. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. It's an experience I never want any of you to have. So then you've got the kind of the days that follow, and I wish I could tell you some really healthy way that I dealt with it, but I think in the way I dealt with it, although maybe not the healthiest technically I think it was incredibly healthy because it was the pandemic I had no fucking distractions I couldn't I wasn't going to start drinking because like it was just my parents it probably looked really dodgy if I was like I need a big glass of wine I need four glasses of wine I just need to like get through this um I knew I didn't really want to do that I just felt I almost felt too sad for that which is weird I just felt I felt too emotionally attacked I felt too vulnerable to even be at that stage where I could drink through it and I think this is the thing of why oh it was just so hard but why I healed from it is because I allowed myself to feel all of the emotions I didn't shy away from any of it I allowed myself to feel this way to feel good about myself to feel like I knew what was going on I just allowed myself to feel all the emotions so that when I stopped feeling all the emotions, I could then brush myself off and be like, I'm going to be okay. This is hard, but this is going to be okay. And I think as important routines are and as in like working out and stuff would have been good. And I did work out and everything like that. My main thought process in the first few weeks of that breakup was just allow myself 
to do whatever I like I lived so intuitively I also really helped in the sense of the pandemic because of the pandemic I had no uni stress everything had been wiped there was nothing else anymore I literally had just been taken all of the stress off my plate and it's like as, as horrific as a pandemic well I'm not grateful for that don't worry I'm just saying that it couldn't have happened at a better time because I fully crumbled and went into my shell and there was there wasn't a part of me that was okay I was not okay in the slightest but because I was allowed to do that without any pressure, and I know that's quite a unique scenario, and, and not a lot of us can do that, and I was very lucky and fortunate in that sense, that it meant that I got to feel everything, which meant that I think I got through it better. I was able to cope. I think I could have crumbled a lot more, but it meant that I was kind of, even though it was really bad at the beginning, it was always getting, it got better, rather than it being like fine at the beginning and then crumbling three months after. And I think the thing is, the things I started... Like, to cope with her, the first few days, obviously, I just literally watched telly and lied in bed and cried. I allowed myself to do that for, like, a solid four days. And then I tried to change it a bit. So I became... I wrote a blog, actually. That was weird. I forgot. I haven't shared any of this with you. I actually had a blog. I wrote a breakup blog um, that got quite big in Indonesia, which was so funny. Uh, I say big. It got, like, a few readers in Indonesia. Um, And that helped me. I think that helped me get through it because it was a way of me journaling. And I think part of me had this like need for social justice in the sense of like, I was like, I don't get why you've got to do this to me. I don't get why you just get to go and live your life. I found that part really unfair. And to be honest, I still do. I don't really find any of that fair. I think it's so shitty that I was the one left picking up the pieces. And no one can tell me that for the cheater, it's as hard. It isn't because you chose it. You chose that lifestyle. You chose to do it so... Although I have compassion for you, I don't have any sympathy. I don't, I don't, I just don't. There's no part of me that has sympathy. I think this is the thing of like, when people say like, oh, forgiveness is really important, like, and let people go, you don't need to hold it on anymore. I agree that forgiveness is really important, but I straight up do not forgive what happened. And I think that's okay too. I don't think you have to forgive everything. I don't think, I think when something bad happens to you and it hurts... I don't want to fucking forgive you. I'll move on my life. I don't focus on it anymore. I'm so much happier without you in it and I don't need you, but I don't forgive you for what you did. I don't forgive you in the slightest and I never will forgive you. None of my family forgives you. Every No one forgives you for what happens. It will always be a stain on your character. And I think for those people who have cheated and hear that and get really hurt by it, I don't know the situation of yours. Do you know what I mean? I think it's the way... I think the thing that happens with it is if you have cheated on someone and you have to tell them, it's the way you go about everything after that can make just as much impact. You can, you might have made a mistake and then it's so much easier to forgive if they come to you and they apologise to your face and they say they're sorry and they really mean it and they give you the space and they don't start dating the girl. I mean, that happened to me, like, there's now together and I just think all of that is a massive, like, fuck you. I just think that's not a nice way to be people we're trying to be nice and that's not a nice way I think one of the key things that I did do was that I started like writing a lot of lists pros and cons lists but about like deeper topics I wouldn't just be pros and cons of the relationship it would be like why did we break up wrote a list why am I grateful we happened wrote a list because the thing with it being such a long relationship is there was so much memory and things wrapped up into it and I think that made it a lot harder so why did we do that and then I wrote a list about like things I want in my new relationship so like the bad things that happened the good things that happened 
things I want in my new relationship. Oh, and I also wrote another one for things I'll take away from the relationship. So good things, bad things, things I'll take away and what I'm looking forward to in the future. Then I just closed the book and that was it. And I started journaling every single day about how I felt about the relationship. And I think one of the key thing about the breakup is, so when I found out I got cheated on, it was on a Wednesday. I then had a mental breakdown Wednesday night, Thursday night. I found out everything that happened. And I think this is just the podcaster type of... In, I've always been so interested in everything. I'm very, like, inquisitive. I used to get told off for asking too many questions. Um, I literally got a questions and answers book one year for my birthday, which answers all of the questions you can ever think of. It's such a great book, people. But I think one of the things I knew for me was that I needed to know everything that would happen because the image that my brain would make would be so much worse. Little did I know what actually happened would never be as bad as that. I don't think my brain would ever be as bad. But I found out everything, so I asked every question and he told me everything and I think that helped. I think that did help. I think that helped me process through what was going on because it made it kind of like I found out everything in one full swoop so it meant that because he's like friends with some people I'm friends with if they ever found out anything I wasn't gonna then be like pushed backwards 5,000 steps if that makes sense it 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 was all I was gonna be able to properly heal and I think that's what made it so much harder in the beginning because probably why I was so emotional because it was a lot of information all at once to take in and it really fucking hurt but it did help I think I'm glad I did that but I think you've got to be pretty mentally strong to do that. So please don't don't go asking. I, I remember this reading this quote. It's like, don't ask a question if you're not prepared for the answer. Don't ask the details of how they cheated, the sex, everything like that. Don't ask unless you're ready to know. Because I asked in a lot of detail. It was not pleasant. It was horrible. But at least I knew everything that they did, everything that happened. Oh, it honestly makes me feel sick even the thought of it. Ugh horrible people um but yeah so that happened and then the way that I actually because I broke up with him obviously the way that it actually happened was a bit different to kind of like a normal type of breakup I guess so imagine you've now I've told you you're getting through the first initial stage because it's really shitty it's really hard I wrote a letter to him I just wrote the letter because I knew I'm too emotional not to be able to write a letter. And writing this letter has been one of the best things I've ever done. Because, A, I can read back on it when I'm feeling like, I just want a bit of drama in my life. Just read back over the letter, it's so funny. Um, I was so dramatic. Um, not only that, it meant that I got everything out that I wanted to say. And I would really recommend doing this. Write the first letter. You're probably not going to say the first letter because it's often quite a lot more emotional than anything you really would want to say. Like, it's obviously very dramatic. Mine was very dramatic. My foot has just gone fully numb. That's so annoying. Um, oh, I'm going to get pins and needles now, guys. So this is the thing. I think it was obviously a lot more dramatic, but it meant that I got everything out that I wanted to say. I finished everything. I was able to say everything that I wanted to say, and it meant that I felt like I could then move on. So then... So then... Obviously, our families were close, so then I decided um, to... Lol. I called up his mum and explained everything that had happened and kind of had that conversation with her because I didn't want everything to go unnoticed. I didn't want him to be able to lie his way out of it and tell everyone, like, what... Not tell everyone the truth about what he'd done. Um, so I had a conversation with her, said goodbye to her, and then called him. Like, I woke him up and he was asleep and I woke him up and I read in the letter... 
and that was that. Bon voyage, see you later. And I think writing the letter was a really, really positive experience for me because I can get quite flustered in those types of situations, but it meant that I got everything out that I wanted to say, meant I knew what I wanted to say. And I also liked the fact that because it was the pandemic, we were just going to wait to see each other in person. And I think, obviously, I'd rather have done it in person because four years is a long time to end. Not ever seeing... I mean, never saw each other again. Four years is a long time to end. But that was the situation then. There wasn't a better way to do it, and I had to do it over the, over the phone call. And that is hard. And I think the thing that also made it so tricky for me that I couldn't grasp my head, head around is that the entire relationship changed my idea of love. It shattered what I thought love was. Um, in a good way and a bad way, because I think I'd learned some very toxic coping mechanisms and toxic ways of being in a relationship from that relationship because it wasn't a happy one, it wasn't a healthy one. But I think it also was very painful to go through that breakup. And I think this is what makes your first breakup the worst. And they have a lot of compassion for you if you're going through it because... Not only are you leaving the person, you're also leaving what your idea of love was because that's your first love. So every ideal that you have about love filters into it. And when it ends, you realise that you can actually see the relationship as a whole. You realise what you've been missing. You realise the things you haven't been acknowledging in the relationship that have gone wrong. And I think that's what makes it so hard. Breakups are shit, but it's going to be the catalyst for so much growth, I promise you. So this week we have talked about the kind of the initial getting over the breakup, the kind of like the initial mm, situation as a whole. Next week we're going to talk about starting to focus on you, growth after a breakup, growth after a breakup, growth after a breakup and how you can really use it to find some pretty amazing things about yourself. But yeah, thanks for being here and I'll speak to you soon. Love you, bye. Guys, okay, so now we've finished the breakup series, it's back down to the new things I've done this week. And I think, apart from work my way through all of the ice creams and ice lollies here, because obviously in the supermarkets they just have the freezers full, and I have been trying every single, every single one. I've tried, like, a brown sugar one. That was quite nice, actually. I had, like, bits of jelly, and I have a melon one. That was great. I had a banana one, which, you know, I don't know if it's mochi or mochi. I can't work out how to say it. Um... But that, they sell them so cheap here. It's like 20p for one. Like, if you think, like, Little Moons is like £9 a box, it's mad. But they sell, like, this banana lolly, and it had, like, the mochi, like, gel around it with the banana inside. That was kind of weird, but I kind of liked it at the same time. That was kind of cool. Other things that I've tried, uh, there's a sweet corn lolly that I want to try. I'm so intrigued by that. I don't know what it is, but I really want to try it. In terms of other things, I've started watching The Boys on Amazon Prime. I would, it was not like something I would usually watch. It's definitely like a, one of Louis' mates was like, they really like it. So we're like, well, I've got Amazon Prime, like, we'll just watch it. Like, you know, when you're just chilling in the evening. It's actually quite good, quite addictive, would recommend. I don't really normally, well, to be fair, I don't mind superheroes. Like, sometimes I quite like that type of stuff. And this is actually really, really good. The storyline's really interesting. Um, so I would try, give it a try. Like, even if you like, if you like action-based things or, like, yeah, action-based, I'd give it a try. Because, like, the superhero, the fact that the superheroes isn't really, like the main thing like it's not I don't know how to describe it but it's good it is good so I would recommend watching that in terms of what I've reading right now I've been reading How We Disappeared by Jing Jing Lee and it is brilliant it is brilliant what page am I on now I'm on page one two hundred and two hundred thirty three 
and it's incredible. This is the blurb. Singapore, 1942. As Japanese troops sweep down Malaysia and into Singapore, a village is ransacked. Only three survivors remain, one of them a tiny child. In a neighbouring village, 17-year-old Wang Di is bundled into the back of a troop carrier and shipped off to a Japanese military brothel. In the year 2000, her mind is still haunted by her experiences there, but she has long been silent about her memories of what it, of that time. It takes 12-year-old Kevin and the num- mumbled confession he overhears from his ailing grandmother to set in motion a journey into the unknown to discover the truth. Weaving together two timelines and two life-changing secrets, How We Disappeared is an evocative, profoundly moving and utterly dazzling novel heralding the arrival of a thrilling new literary star. It's brilliant. I don't know much about what happened to the women in the in Singapore in 1942. I would say, like, a bit of a trigger warning for, like, sexual abuse, that type of thing. It's obviously they were, like, they were taken to a Japanese prison where they worked in a brothel, okay? Like, it, it is quite heartbreaking. It is really heartbreaking what happened. But the way that the story's written is so... Like, the way that they're, like, combined the two storylines, I really love. And the entire time, you're kind of working out why are these two people connected and how are they connected. And I really like the kind of juxtaposition of the two narratives. So one's a kind of 12-year-old kid who's just trying to work out what's going on with his grandma. He doesn't know. Like, it's so much of a younger narrative voice compared with the older narrative voice of Wang Di. And she's an 80-year-old widow who's just trying to work out what happened to her husband, who her husband... Like, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, just trying to work out what happened to her husband in the war. And it's these two different storylines and how she flits between them. Create, I feel like because it's a younger voice juxtaposed with a like an older voice. Oh, sorry, it's not the camera. Phone, not camera. Juxtaposed with like an older voice. It makes it, I don't know, it, it could be a very, like the entire book could be very, very, very sad. And elements of it are really, really heartbreaking, but... It's not all sad. The way that the narrative voice is written is quite like, I feel like because it's the younger kid, it kind of, it uplifts the storyline a little bit. And I really like the kind of the description elements and how I love it. Like, you know, in a chapter, chapters go back in time and things like that. It feels like a jigsaw puzzle when you're putting a story together. And I really love books like that when like you'll find out little snippets of information and by the end of it, you get the whole picture. So I would really, really recommend it. I bought this in the airport. It's like a airport reader I don't know I just kind of I hadn't really heard anything about it but it has been it won the woman's prize for fiction in 2020 and I was like that sounds pretty good and the reviews on the front were incredible so would highly recommend reading that but I need to go because it's Louis's birthday and we need to go have some breakfast and I'm gonna go swim with manta rays later on today that's so exciting that's so exciting but I hope you're having a brilliant day and do something nice for yourself this week whether it's take yourself for a walk do a little a coffee shop run I don't know charity shop do something for yourself and yeah how we disappeared really really good book but read up a bit about it if you do have like anything that just check it's not triggering for you because it is quite like definitely like an adult book it deals with quite like distressing themes and the kind of the descriptive language and everything it it doesn't shy away from what happened and nor should it it's uh, that's the point of the book but yeah would research it before you read it but if you do think it's okay for you to read please read it it's brilliant it's brilliantly written and I really really love it okay that's it now (laughs) don't worry I'll stop I'll stop now um I hope you're having a lovely day and make sure you follow me on tiktok or on instagram at you've got my own school pod and I'll speak to you soon bye love you bye